Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse 1 through 4a, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, and 13 through 17, the Gospel according to John, chapter 3, verse 1 through 17, and Psalm 121. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We're preaching throughout this season on the epistle, the second reading you hear, um, which was read beautifully today by Missy. Good work on hard stuff, Missy. Um, uh, Sometimes when I hear these gospel readings, there's so much to preach about, but we are going to stick with uh, what's going on in this letter to the Romans. We've been studying Romans through, for almost six months now in our Thursday morning Bible study, so there are a handful of people here could be, who could be preaching instead of me, but you get to just sit and see how I do. Um, you'll let me know on Thursday. Um, for those of you who are not part of the Bible study, there's just a, a little bit of onboarding I want to do, get you on the same page a little bit, which is that these, this, this is literally a letter that's written by Paul to a church in Rome. And this church is made up of people who believe in Jesus, and it is made up of what we can tell based on the letter that's written of both Jewish believers and non-Jewish or Gentile believers. And these are people who, throughout uh, their lives, throughout their past, throughout their parents' lives and their grandparents' lives and their great-grandparents' lives, have not shared life together any more than they had to. They've lived together in some kind of society. They've all lived in Rome together, perhaps, but they have basically kept within their culture, within their religious understanding and their lives. And now they've come to believe in Jesus. And because they believed in Jesus, they believe in the way they're supposed to, the way they're supposed to believe in Jesus is by sharing community with each other. And so now they're creating this community across these cultural differences that have lasted for generations and centuries. They're now seeking to be together, to share life together. And as you might imagine, if you've ever tried to share your life with anyone, whether they be of your culture or not, tensions arise. And Paul's letter speaks and writes into those tensions directly, talking to a group of people. And at the core of their question is, who is this good news of God and Jesus Christ? Who's it for? Who's it for? That's the basic question. And what we're getting at today is just a little piece of Paul's response to who is it for? Who is God's good news? Who's God's love for? Before we go any further, I want to talk a little bit about therapy. Psychotherapy. Yeah. I am not a therapist, but I have had a lot of therapy, so I'm a little bit of a pro in my own way. That's not something I make a joke of or a secret about. It is something that I've talked about often. If you don't know me well, I don't really mind talking about it. I think it's important that we're honest about the fact that we need help in this life. We need help sorting through our things, and I'm no different than anyone else in that. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, if you've ever done therapy, this will not surprise you at all, you talk about your parents a little bit. No, it's true. You don't have to go to a Freudian either. It's just a thing that happens. You talk about your parents, right? And what's fascinating when you go through therapy is without your parents' input at all, they might be long gone, they might be out of your life, they might already be dead. 
when you go through therapy and do these conversations and start to work through some things, your understanding of your parents changes. Your relationship with your parents change, even when they're not there. Think about that. They're not even with you to make it better or worse. They're somewhere else completely. And through the work that you do, you come to understand them differently, right? You come to understand who they are. Now, generally what happens in therapy is you start by complaining a lot and, and your parents sort of kind of become a little bit like um, the worst. Just It's what happens. But if you stick with it, you move through that place of just like deep complaining about all the things they did wrong you couldn't ever tell them about, and you get to that place of messiness and complexity where you realize that your relationship is deep and rich and there's so much love even through the complexity and even with your problems and even in their shortcomings, you understand something about them. And then, if you keep going, something amazing happens, which is your parents actually become human. Stick with it till that point. That's when things get wild. And this is true, by the way, in all relationships, whether or not you're in therapy, you can, without someone being around, you can think about them and you can have an understanding of who they are that can shift and change. And our goal, of course, as Christians, genuinely I mean this, our goal as Christians is actually to get to a place where we see one another as human, as fully human, so that we may love and be loved for who we are and not for who we idealize people to be. But anyway, what's that got to do with Paul's letter to the Romans? I'm going to tell you. Paul uses this term righteousness a lot throughout this reading. And he suggests that we want to be righteous. And if you're like me, first of all, the first thing that happens is you go, do I actually want to be righteous? You know, righteousness, as we hear it, doesn't actually, isn't always a compliment in our cultural language. When we refer to someone as righteous, we actually usually mean self-righteous, Right? Someone who just walks around as if they're better than everyone else. Just has this sort of air about them that they get something that you don't. They're kind of the worst. So when you hear that someone's righteous, you don't want to be righteous. Except, in fact, you did not have to be at church at 9 o'clock on a Sunday, and here you all are. So you actually are interested in righteousness, it turns out. Righteousness, as Paul describes it, in the simplest of terms for us is being in a good and healthy relationship with God. That's what he means by righteousness. To be in a good and healthy relationship with the one who made you. Righteousness, right relationship. That's it. Paul is talking to a group of people about what it means for them to be in a good and healthy relationship with their God. And he knows something that you and I both know, we all know as well. Which is that so much of being in a healthy and good relationship with someone is how you view them, is how you approach them. If you see people as obstacles to your health, to your well-being, to your prosperity, you will treat them as if they are obstacles. If you see someone in your family as the reason for all of your pain, you will not actually be able to have a good and healthy and loving relationship with them. If you approach someone as if they are 
inherently valuable. That something within them is real and true and beautiful and good and you know it's there whether you see it or not, that will affect the way that you interact with them. And your relationship with someone, whether they're in front of you or not, so much of your relationship depends on how you enter into that relationship, the lens through which you view that person. Now, as Christians, we believe that God is present all the time by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is with us right now. Whether I say the right thing or the wrong thing, God is here. God is in it. And also, God is super obnoxious because we can't see God. We are told to believe in God and we are told that God is present and with us and we are also told that God is invisible and mostly quiet and good luck finding God. But don't stop believing. That's frustrating. In God's apparent absence, what we are capable of doing is making up all sorts of ideas of who God is and what kind of relationship we have with God and this is what Paul is digging right into. Do you get into a good relationship with God through your actions? Or do you get into a good relationship with God through faith? That's what he's getting at. At its core, that's where Paul is going. And his basic premise is really simple. If I go into my relationship with God thinking that I am at a deficit, but I have to act exactly right, and if I do all the right things and act all the right ways and believe perfectly the things that I'm supposed to believe, then God will find me acceptable and I will be in right relationship with God. You live like that and you're in for a world of misery. It doesn't work. And yet, think about how often we view God that way as the one who's going to show up and be disappointed in us as the one who's watching from afar and hoping we will get it right so God can finally be proud of you. Paul is talking to a group of people and saying your works will not make you righteous. And what he's saying, he's not saying works don't matter. He's saying if you enter into a relationship with God thinking that you have to get everything right and do all the right things in order to have a good and healthy relationship with God, you will never know God's heart. He says, if you have faith like Abraham has, and we're going to get into that, if you have faith like Abraham has, there is a possibility that you can have a good and healthy relationship with your maker. A good and healthy relationship with your maker. So what kind of relationship does Abraham have with God? God shows up in Abraham's life and says, I'm going to bless you. Your life, Abraham, is a blessing. And I love you, and I'm with you, and I have your back, and you're such a blessing that through you, so many other people will be blessed. And do you know what Abraham does? He believes it. He believes it. And Paul says that is reckoned as righteousness. That is what good and healthy relationship with God looks like. It is not about doing everything perfectly, believing all the right things, being the right religion or denomination. It is. It is believing that God is in your corner. 
It is believing that God approaches you with love, believing that you, you, you are a blessing. Yes, you. That you, as you are, are blessed by God, loved by God, and you, as you are, have the capacity to participate with God in the blessing and the healing and the reconciling of this world. That you have a part in it. If when you see God coming down the lane, you think, oh my gosh, I look like this, and my house isn't clean, and what will I do? That's not good and healthy relationship. If when you see God coming down the lane, you say, here comes blessing, here comes love, my heart is filled, I can't wait to find out how I'm loved, that is good and healthy relationship. And you don't have to be religious to get this, because again, you know this in your real friendships and relationships in your life. You know the people that when they come over, you don't even care that your house is a mess? You know those people where you don't even say, I'm sorry, it's a mess? Because they're just in and they love you and you know it? Is that, are those the good relationships? The healthy ones? The people who when you see them, you see something beautiful and powerful and you recognize how they're loving this world. And the people who make you feel like loving more That is good and healthy relationship. And what Paul's talking about today is simply, how do we have a good and healthy relationship with the one who made us? We do it first and foremost by just having the right lens at which we look at God. So this week, in your Lenten journey, as you think about this relationship with God, as you take a look at your life with God. I ask you, what kind of relationship is it? And I don't mean, do you pray enough? Do you go to church enough? Do you believe the right things? I'm not... Can't, what way do you see God? And how do you believe God sees you? The faith that makes us righteous is faith that God loves us. The thing that puts us into a right frame of mind that allows us to have a healthy and good relationship with God is one where we see God for who God actually is, which is a God of love and blessing who raises from the dead and forgives sins, brings healing and justice, and loves us with a peace that passes all understanding. We seek righteousness not because we want to be self-righteous, but because we want a healthy and good relationship with the one who made us. And if we're serious about that, then we must truly be serious about the truth that God is love. In Jesus' name.